one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we buy shit we don't need. Ideas are grateful. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Jake Steiner, welcome to the Biohacking Secret Show. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Appreciate it. So we're going to talk about how to biohack your eyesight and a lot of the misconceptions, um, some of the ways that people have been misled in this area, and some tips for keeping your eyesight sharp into your golden years. But before we do, maybe you could give us a little bit of background on yourself, your backstory, your origin story, if you will, for our listeners who may not be as familiar with your work. I like origin story. I'm going to wear a cape. Somebody else said origin story before. I feel like, no, okay. Um, I was a stock with a, with a big With a big eyeball on the back. Oh, oh no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Or a line through spectacle. I, um, yeah, so I was an analyst stock trader. Um, super boring stuff, but mostly looking a lot at data and contracts and stats and facts. And my whole life was just always asking questions. Like that was my job to figure out what's really going on. People tell you a lot of stories and then you always go, okay, that's your story. What's really happening. And I had really bad eyesight at the same time, minus five doctors. It's strong enough. Basically, if you put down your glasses and you don't remember where you put them, you will never find them again. Super fun. By the like way. Velma from Scooby-Doo. Yes. <laughs> no, it's super not cool. And the, the stronger the glasses get, one of the things they do is they make your eyes look small. Right. So at, at minus five, I had these little piggy eyes and I was a single dude in my twenties. And uh, I went to the optometrist at some point. And that was the first time I went just as an adult by myself because I couldn't see taxi stuff at night. And I was like, what's up? And they said, stronger glasses. And I asked why, right? Cause that's, I'm not an optometrist. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a dude who asks why a lot for a living. And it's just nature. I'm just like, so why is that? right? Like you're offering a treatment. Tell me what's wrong. And the guy said, I remember this. He was like, oh, we don't know. It's genetic. And I went huh. to school in Germany where we have pretty decent education and, you know, ba basic genetics are part of the curriculum. And even I'm obviously not a geneticist, but it's not that difficult to realize that human eyesight didn't genetically mutate in the last 50 years globally to our detriment, you know, because 50 years ago, myopia wasn't a big deal. A hundred years ago, it was basically unheard of. Genetics don't change that rapidly, that specifically on a global level. It's not possible. So what I always do yeah, is I, a, I, I, I research, right? Yeah, it is crazy. It's, it's ridiculous. So this was before the internet. So I went to the library, I did research and I found this was pretty surprising at the time that the biology, the science is super clear on what causes bad eyesight. Like it's not a question. It's absolutely not genetic. And there's 50 years worth of studies that completely show what causes it. And that was kind of my starting point with my parents are both medical doctors. And that was my first experience where I seriously went, how is this possible? And then I talked to some optometrists. I got kicked out of an optometrist's office for asking questions. And that kind of set off this journey like 20 years ago to figure out why my eyes are bad and how to fix them. Interesting. So, I mean, the eyes are essentially an extension of the brain. They're the only part of the brain that is exposed and, and truly interfaces with, you know, the world around us. So I'm interested, what did you find in your research uh, with regard to what causes myopia, bad, bad eyesight? So super simple. And I recommend people go to Google Scholar, scholar.google.com. Fantastic search engine just for peer-reviewed studies and clinical science. Not to say that science and studies are always correct, but you get an idea of what direction is the conversation. And if you type in pseudomyopia, P-S-E-U-D-O myopia, or near-induced transient myopia, near-induced meaning caused by a near vision, transient meaning temporary, and myopia, of course, is short-sightedness or nearsightedness, you're going to get tens of thousands of results of just peer-reviewed clinical science telling you that your eyesight was initially bad because you had a muscle spasm. There's a focusing muscle in the eye that, that shapes the lens. And during close-up vision, that muscle is super tight. 
And if you spend too much time just locked into close-up vision, the muscle spasms and you temporarily lose your distance vision. You mean like staring at a computer screen or your phone? Or a book or yeah, anything that's sustained, long-term, just looking at one fixed object in a close-up distance. Yeah. So today that's mostly phones and screens. Yeah. Interesting. And and that checks out. I mean, we had Dr. Andrew Huberman, who is uh, the Stanford professor of neurobiology out at our second biohacking, ultimate biohacking experience event. And we were doing these eye exercises that basically we're, we're training to counter that where we'd, you know, we'd focus at a point very, very far in the distance. And then, and then we would kind of come back in and relax our gaze of vision and take in everything, including the periphery and spend time in both kind of like far away and near and far away. And you're almost going like predatory vision where you're like hunting on the savanna and you're identifying your prey a long distance out, but not super close to you. And then when you come close, you're taking in everything and like relaxing and, and, and allowing the periphery to come into your field of awareness. Yeah. Dr. Huberman has really interesting ideas. He's a little bit less specialized on just myopia. And I think those exercises yeah. are, they don't really address the, the main reason is your habits, right? Like, cause you do all those exercises, they're right. Like he's on the right track, but then what happens is you go back to your phone and your screen. And what I found oh. just, I mean, I've dealt with tens of thousands of people over the last two decades is you got to, you have to come up with things that are habit-based and not exercises for a long-term change in your eyesight. I like that. I like that. What's up guys. It's Anthony here. And I interrupt this broadcast because I just opened up the coolest package. It was, uh, it was one of the first packages that arrived at our PO box and it included a bottle of uh, CBD-infused hydrating body lotion from, it looks like American Shaman is the company. And I haven't tried it yet, so I can't necessarily vouch for it, but it looks pretty dope. Uh, a Liberty Lives sticker, a whole bunch of USA stickers and uh, red, white, and blue, and home of the brave, and that sort of thing. A $75 gift card to Lowe's, which is pretty awesome, and a little note, cheers to making your own furniture. And then I've got a cool uh, envelope with a letter here that I haven't opened, but I will open on the air. And uh, if if it's cool with the author, um, share it with you guys and you know if, if there's a question or two on there that i could help with be happy to do that so um i love this i absolutely love getting stuff in the mail and uh with all the digital censorship and everything that's been going on it's it's a great way for us to be able to stay in touch and open those lines of communication and just being real with you guys I've been putting a ton of my resources into our North Carolina property. We had to buy an excavator. We have put in over a mile of roads into mountains at 3,500 feet that are filled with like thick, almost rainforest uh, topography. And now we're kind of getting to the point where I could build a home and I don't, I don't have a, you know, a couple million dollars in the bank, but I'm, you know, I'm comfortable. I live good. I have everything I need and I'm super, super blessed. Um, but if you guys feel compelled to contribute, if you feel that there has been a contribution to the value that you have received from the biohacking secrets show, the biohackers guide to upgraded energy and focus, our coaching program, anything that we've put out there, some of our videos, whatever it is, if it's uplifted your life physically, mentally, spiritually, and you feel that the value that you have received exceeds the value that you've given, um, and you have the means to do so, I'd love to open up uh, an opportunity for you to send in a donation that will go towards me building my house. 
in North Carolina. And cash is amazing. Silver from Gainesville coins is amazing. And really anything that you feel called to share. And if you're not in a position to share, obviously, like I'm not, I'm not trying to put you in a situation at all. That's not the purpose here. It's only if if there's abundance in your life, if you feel that the value that you've received from the things that we've put out exceeds the value that you've given, then uh, you can send in some something cool along with a handwritten letter to P.O. Box 7151, Deerfield, Illinois, 60015. That's P.O. Box 7151, Deerfield, one word, Illinois, 60015. And... Uh, if you do do so, like, yes, silver from Gainesville coins is amazing. Yes, cash is amazing. And I can use those things to help build a house in North Carolina. Oh, and a super dope biohacking gym that, uh, you know, it, yeah, there's a lot that we're going to do with that, with our events and with our coaching program and everything that you guys will see. But I got to build a, a biohacking gym and a home. And that's what your donations would be going towards. Um, but if you do do that, please include a handwritten letter. Share a little bit of your story, some of the ways that your life has changed or improved. If you have any questions, you can include one or two of those in the letter and I will answer them on the air. And I think it's an awesome way for us to stay connected, stay in touch, avoid some of the online censorship. And, uh, and you guys could help me build my house and biohacking, biohacker gym. It'd be amazing. It's a win-win for everybody. So yes, appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening and being part of this journey. Much love to you. And now, without further ado, let's get back to the episode. So when you're working with, with people that are dealing with uh, myopia and, and eyesight issues, well, I guess before we go there, what a lot of people end up doing is they end up wearing glasses, right? It's, the, it's sort of the Western approach to this problem. Um, what's your take on wearing glasses? Glasses? Glasses are a hundred billion dollar industry, a hundred billion dollars. Like it is for something that people don't really think about. It is massive. Uh, glasses weren't prescriptions before they spent millions of dollars lobbying to make them that it's a, it's a subscription model basically is what I call it. People say prescriptions, but that's really clear curve pieces of plastic. Once you go into the optometrist office to have a recurring customer, on average, a pair of lenses cost two to five dollars wholesale. So five thousand percent markups are uh, industry average. So it's a it's a massively profitable industry. And what I started the story with is the optometrist told me it's genetic, not maliciously, but he literally doesn't know what the science says, and he sells you a quick fix treatment that people want. The problem with it is that glasses literally cause your eyesight to get worse. And it's, it's not a, an accident or a coincidental. If you go to Google Scholar and look for lens-induced myopia, lens-induced meaning uh, nearsightedness caused by lenses, again, you're going to find tens of thousands of results. They studied fish. They studied birds. I don't know how they put lenses on fish or birds, but they did. They did monkeys and they did humans. And they found that when you put minus lenses in front of the eye, they caused the eye to elongate. and I don't know if you want to get into the biology of that, but it's there's a mechanism in the eyeball that something called hyperoptic to focus happens when you wear minus lenses. They cause the eye to elongate, so you need stronger and stronger glasses, which of course makes money for the optometrist. And people aren't told that once they accept glasses as a treatment, they're going to get worse eyesight. Yeah, I mean that's big right there. It's a minor. There's so a lot of that though. I mean, I I didn't know this. I mean, like, I started doing a lot of podcasts. Let's repeat that. Like you said, once you, once you start wearing glasses, your eyesight is going to get worse. Like you've chosen a path rather than rather than addressing the root cause of the issue, which your optometrist probably doesn't even know. Yeah, and you should because the things I quote, like on our website, I, I quote a ton of science, and these are all in optometry and ophthalmology clinical journals. So these are the publications made for these people, but somehow. Somehow it's a great mystery. I don't know why. Well, $100 billion. 
because 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 reading and you realize more and more, especially with some of the things that have taken place in the world medically over the past 24 months, that a lot of these people that we think are steeped in the scientific literature don't read studies. They don't think for themselves. They take orders from their masters and they walk around in a white coat. And then, you know, a lot of us, uh, at, at least in the past, used to be like, oh, wow, the you know, the brilliant doctor who knows more than me about my own body, you know, we turn it over to them. And a lot of times it's, it, we're getting solutions that aren't in our best interest. Yeah. It's, it's such a weird industry. And obviously you talk about this a lot in other episodes. It's just, it makes way more sense from a business perspective to sell a thing that continues to make money, right? Because symptom treatment that keeps people coming mm-hmm. back is a better business model than fixing people once and then not having a customer. And that's, definitely what happens with with glasses mm-hmm. and um i'm curious about uh, maybe i can share a story and then you can um elaborate and, and give your thoughts but we've seen a lot of interesting improvements with eyesight and just getting people more natural sun exposure so i'm not talking about staring at the sun or anything like that but i'm talking about like getting up in the morning and, and getting outside and, you know, looking towards the sun, especially if it's low in the sky and it's close to sunrise or sunset and have seen people who's, uh, have, have improved multiple prescriptions in very short periods of time by doing that. And then you piggyback that with some of the work that, uh, Dr. Jack Cruz, um, who's been on the show in episode number three, had kind of turned us on to, and he shares that glass, you know, windows in our homes, in our, in our vehicles, and even on our face in the form of glasses, they start filtering out some of the sun's beneficial uh, UV rays and infrared rays and that sort of thing that our brain and, and eyes uh, benefit from and can help make them stronger. Do you have any thoughts on the role of light from the sun um, and what that plays in, in potentially improving eyesight. I'm aware if people stare at the sun, they could lose their eyesight and, and sort of how glass or glasses can interfere with that. Do you have any thoughts on the matter? Sure. So I am super pragmatic and really boring in a lot of ways, right? Like that was my job. It's just, if I'm right, I make money. If I'm wrong, I lose money. So I don't, I don't have a lot of, I never leave a lot of space for things that are not super practical when it comes to, Light mm-hmm. is a factor. Diet is a factor. Um, stress, sleep, there's all kinds of things. The body's a system, right? Like all of these things are connected. And when any part of it's not working well, it'll affect other parts as well. With, with myopia, the, the cause and the fix are two things. One is first the muscle stuck, right? The, the focusing muscle is stuck in close up mode because you spend so much time in close-up mode. So it's like when you set a camera to manual focus and you put it in close-up mode, the camera looks blurry at a distance. The same thing happens with eyes. The lenses compensate for that. So you didn't get myopic because of a lack of sunlight. Absolutely, there's an issue with not getting enough sunlight, for sure. Same with diet, same with sleep, same with exercise. But the reason you became short-sighted literally says all the science is the muscle stuck. So super clear, right? Like, and a lot of the answers that exist out there, I pursued first before I started this because I figured somebody must have figured this out. You know, I was just looking to fix my eyes. I didn't want to start a thing. And a lot of these things are really interesting. And like, there was a big article in nature about kids going outside and having less myopia correlated in a lot of ways, but the reason you can't see well when you first go to the optometrist is the focusing muscle stuck. Science, pretty unequivocal on that. And then your progressive myopia, your eyesight continuing getting worse, is because the eyeball elongates. And the eyeball elongate doesn't elongate because of a lack of light or too much light or light spectrum stuff. The eyeball elongates because of something called hyperopic to focus, what I mentioned before, where the eye is a fluid-filled ball and it's never perfectly round as it needs to be. So it continually adjusts. It has a built-in mechanism to adjust its length. It shortens, it elongates throughout your whole life. And the, the mechanism by which this does it, it does this is the retina checks where does the light hit on the retina. 
And when any of the light hits behind it, the eyeball elongates. When light hits in front of it, the eyeball shortens. The minus lenses, the glasses you wear for distance vision, cause the eye to elongate. So people debate a lot my method, right? Because it's kind of caught on. And it's debatable for sure. But the part that's really pretty clearly understood is the reason you have bad eyesight is because the muscle got stuck. And then instead of letting the muscle get unstuck, you put lenses in front of it and the lenses cause the eye to elongate. And while I think Jack Crew's ideas are really interesting and Huberman's ideas that are more tangible and practical are on the right track to address some of these issues, if you are in the biohacking thing and you're just saying, I'm busy, I'm biohacking other stuff, I just want to get rid of glasses, it makes sense to focus on the primary causes of the bad eyesight. That's kind of the really long way for me to say. That makes that sense. Don't worry too much about the light. The light is, yeah, also, but if you just want better eyes, you can sit in a cave and you can still get 20-20 vision. That makes sense. So just to recap, before we kind of get into, you know, getting the muscles unstuck and a little bit of your of your method, your, your website, um, endmyopia.com, E-N-D-M-Y-O-P-I-A, or I'm sorry, .org, .org, endmyopia.org. Um, so... Myopia is essentially short-sightedness. Uh, this short-sightedness, bad eyesight, whatever you want to call it, it's not genetic. When you start wearing glasses, your eyeballs essentially begin to elongate. It makes the problem worse. And what we're, what we're dealing with is, is a, a multi, multi-billion dollar industry that is pretty much just trained, you know, like when you've got a hammer, everything looks like a, a, a nail. Right. So people walk in, their eyesight's bad, they give them glasses and they don't even realize that they're perpetuating the problem. And, and in order to fix it, you have to fix the true cause, which is that that elongation. Is that an accurate summation or would you change anything? Please feel free. This is a really great summary. And you should just do my podcast because I could have said all that in two minutes like you did. Yes, that's exactly right. No, it's great. It's great. I mean, I'm, lear I'm learning a lot. I, I'm, I'm imagining our listeners are too. So before we kind of get into getting the muscles unstuck and, and some parts of your method, I got to ask, what's, what are your thoughts on LASIK? A lot of people getting LASIK these days. So that's a funny one because there's a, there's a guy that has a huge podcast and he was talking about not, uh, yeah, podcast also, YouTube, all kinds of stuff. And he was talking about getting LASIK and I started getting so many emails from people all the time. I guess we've shared audiences going, and what it, tell them not to do LASIK. That's a bad idea. Why do LASIK? Super active guy into surfing, all that. So I did one podcast episode. I never do guest stuff. I have a podcast, but just for vision improvement. And just for that, I, I, I uh, called up Dr. Morris Waxler, who I have a long going back with many years, uh, who's the former head of the FDA, a surgical devices division, he got LASIK approved. He's in his seventies now. Cool guy. Like he's got like Einstein hair going everywhere. We had an hour chat because he literally was the head of the FDA who put the stamp on LASIK. And he had an hour of just, he quoted all his references. They're all in the episode notes. He said it was the worst thing he's done in his life. And He's just regretting every day and he's trying to undo it. He can't undo it. He talks about the suicides it causes. He causes, he talks about 30% permanent dry eyes. He talks about how your, your cornea is permanently structurally compromised. He talks about how the, the, the pain sensation, the nerves are cut. And for a year, you don't know if you're going to have pain issues. And he talks about how the FDA had zero protocols in place to check for these kind of health consequences at all. So basically saying LASIK is absolutely not safe and it should have never been approved and it's a terrible idea. And so my opinion on LASIK is for a elective surgery that, that does the same thing as contact lenses, right? Like it's not that much more inconvenient to put contact lenses in your eye. There are much less risky ways to have a very similar benefit and it's not permanent. It's not a cure. It's not a fix. It's the same as a contact lens, but it's cut in your eye. There are natural alternatives to this, like what we're talking about now. So I think 
it's very sad that people are not being told about the realistic risks of LASIK. And funny side story, there's a fair amount of people, because we have a big Facebook group who who post about, uh, once in a while, post about guys that do LASIK surgery who wear glasses themselves. So, question. Yeah. I'd, I'd be fascinated one day to hear, like even even just to be a fly on the wall during during one of these approval processes where you have, where you have someone that's making a big decision, like whether or not to give the go ahead for something like LASIK and what type of incentives they're offered, what type of pressure they experience. And then, you know, to see it go through and see all of the people that are adversely affected by it, by something that you've approved and how that can influence sort of like your sense of karmic duty to humanity you know, to almost try and make right what you've done, even though it's, it's, it's a physical impossibility. It is. I'm not, I'm not plugging my podcast. I mean, maybe talk to him yourself. It was a shocking and fascinating hour. Like I'm not good at interviews, but just sitting there and I'm the whole time I'm sitting there and I'm like, how is this dude alive? I mean, how did he not end up in a ditch somewhere talking like this? Seriously, like head of the FDA, how is nobody just going, well, he should have an accident. And I know, I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but when you listen to him talk, I mean, he's just like cowboy attitudes from the surgeons. He literally used those words. He's like, they were just doing whatever they want before it got approved. They were buying machines not intended yep. for LASIK surgery and using them for LASIK surgery. And he just goes on about how they didn't have any idea what they were doing during the approval process, how they didn't check for medical consequences. I was just like, I was sitting there and I'm like, how is this possible? How is it possible that this guy is talking in public about this and that nobody mentions it, right? Like this should be a, a thing somewhere, but it's, yeah, it was very strange. It was strange talk. Yeah. As long as people continue to give up their sovereignty and autonomy over their body to people in white coats, I, I think they're going to continually be disappointed and find out that in many ways they are the experiment. Um, and, and a lot of these things that we think are scientifically validated, like LASIK and gastric bypass and so many other things are uh, very far from it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I used to joke about, you know, like they did uh, ice pick lobotomies 100 years ago or give kids a cough syrup with heroin in it. And we look back yeah. at that and we're like, man, that was crazy back then. But it's the same thing now. Right. Like in so many ways, it's, it's still same. like, well, yeah. let's try this. This kind of works. Yeah. Here's, here's a immunization for something that's never been isolated. Oh, how are you making it? Don't worry about that. Um, where can people listen to that, that podcast episode? It's, I almost, I have a, I have a podcast called the short sighted podcast. That's not really a podcast. It has, I'm only talking to people who improve the eyesight. And the only reason I do that is because there's so many individual experiences and I want to be able, be able for people to share that. Like, how did you improve your eyesight? What did mm -hmm. you do? What was your experience? So it's generally only interesting for people who are working on the eyes. That's why I was saying this. That's the only episode. It's on our website, short side of podcast. Dr. Morris Waxler was the only time I talked to somebody outside because I really wanted to just for this, this guy with this really popular podcast from like, you have to listen to this guy talking Right? Like you spend an hour listening to this guy talking. If you still get LASIK, then okay. You know, you're daring yeah. you are. That's free will, buddy. So how do how do we get these muscles unstuck? Can you share a little bit of your, your method? Um and then, you know, for people that want more stuff, they can of course go to endmyopia.org. Sure. So the the short version of the whole thing, I'm kind of gonna explain this the way you'd explain you, you get stronger by going to the gym and lifting weights and eating protein, right? Like short version. Mm -hmm. And the way we came up with all of this is many thousands of people over the last almost 20 years trying stuff. So this isn't my idea. I'm not that amazing. I'm not that smart. It's just, we tried stuff. We failed at stuff. People experimented. And today where, where we are basically is don't wear distance glasses during screen time. If you just got glasses for the first time, if your diopters are really low, if you can see your screen without glasses, don't wear them when you use the screen. Your eyesight will not get worse. Like the, the key to keeping your eyes where they are with low myopia is just take the glasses off when you don't need them. It's, it's going to halt the progression because the hyperopic to focus doesn't happen. You don't need stronger glasses. So that's, that's an easy fix. 
if your glasses are already too strong, like you already can't see the screen without glasses, you need weaker glasses for your screen use. Basically, the glasses made for distance mm. vision are way overpowered for you to look at something that's just in front of your face. It's it's ridiculous and super strenuous. You buy glasses that are like a diopter or a diopter and a half lower to where you can see just to your screen and not further, way less strain. If you do that for a month and you don't wear your distance class for close-up and accidentally you leave your distance classes on, you're going to be dizzy and it's going to be really not a pleasant feeling because your your strain awareness comes back. So that's the number one mm-hmm. thing is either don't wear glasses during screen use or wear significantly weaker glasses to only see the screen. Super helpful. If you do nothing else, that'll just alleviate a lot of eye strain. And then the rest of the approach is incredibly simple. It's very small reductions in the adopters of your glasses. For example, like I had minus five, so Mm -hmm. I'd go to minus 4.75, the smallest amount of reduction you can make. And within three Mm -hmm. to four months, your eyes adjust to that reduction. If you have enough outdoor time, if you have a hobby, if you play sports, like anything that requires you to use distance vision, three to four months, your eyes fully adjust to that reduction. And then every three to four months, Mm. you can reduce by a quarter diopter till eventually you don't need glasses. That's fascinating. And I've seen that approach from a lot of people like, um, I believe, you know, it's part of Dr. Kelly Brogan's getting off of antidepressants is like, if you're on 20 milligrams of Prozac, then you get your script for, you get, you go to a compounding pharmacy and you get a script for like 19. And then, you know, three to six months later, you go to 18 and you just take it really, really slow and steady. And when it comes to eyesight, I'm almost picturing like you go to the gym and let's say you want to get better at bench press and you're starting out and you've got this behemoth of a guy spotting you. And, but he's actually like white knuckling the bar and doing all the work for you. So you're like going through the motions, but he's doing all the heavy lifting you know, so if, if, if that's going on, you're like, Hey buddy, can you help out just a little bit less so I can, so I can do some of the work here. Like I want to, I want to, I want my chest to get a pump. I want to feel like I'm, I'm doing what I came here to do. And conversely, if you're in a position to, to do the lifting without that guy at all, then kick him to the curb and start doing some sets on your own. You know, in, in other words, to kind of tie together a verbose metaphor, take the glasses off if, if you can get away with it. And if you can't go with a lower script. Yeah. And that's sometimes people like, it can't possibly be that easy. And then there's all of these like ancient Chinese things and eye yoga and eye vitamins. And does the purple light affect my eyes? Because nobody's people don't like to accept that there's not more than that to this. And I almost sometimes go, if mm. there was more mystique around it, people would like this more because it really is, yeah. your eye will readjust to where you started out. You started out with low diopters that the optometrist gradually increased them. Your eyeball length gradually elongated, gradually mm-hmm. reduce it and the eyeball will shorten and you'll be back to normal, right? Like it's, that's all it is. I mean, this is very interesting. Now, the, the, whether you want to call it, uh, theory proof hypothesis about the cause of short sightedness. Um, how do you explain like, like a lot of babies and children, young children, they're not, I mean, I guess nowadays they are, but I mean, even when I was growing up, there were kids that, that wore glasses and, you know, you'd play sports with them. They'd be rocking those rec specs and that sort of thing. They weren't, necessarily spending hours a day staring at screens and, you know, reading books. What's, what's the cause in those cases? So I deal with what's the common thing, right? Like there's outliers definitely that are not every case of eyesight that needs some kind of correction is what I talk about. It's just the vast majority. A few things here that can happen. One is babies are hyperopic, the opposite of myopia. So all babies eyeballs are too short. They can't see clearly up close, mm-hmm. right? Like it's a, it's as they observe the environment, the eyeball has that function already built in. The eyeball elongates until that hyperopia, that, that farsightedness is gone. And if something goes wrong in the process, or in some cases, there's things like overzealous, potentially optometry that, that gives kids corrective lenses. There's all kinds of things that can be going on for young children to need glasses. 
including developmental issues, including issues that are medical that I can't comment on. But hyperopia is one thing in babies. And then back then less so, but now younger and younger kids are wearing glasses because parents imagine that iPads make good babysitters. And 10 years ago, even five years ago, I wasn't getting emails from parents a lot. Today, it's every single day. I get emails from parents every single day going, what's up with my five-year-old? What's up with my three-year-old, right? Like squinting, going to the optometrist. Optometrist said they need glasses. And then eyesight gets rapidly worse. The, The cause then is today's cause is primarily the parents giving the kid an iPad or phone as a babysitter, which is dramatically a terrible idea. Yeah. There's, there's a strong part of me that also suspects the role of like this, this soup of wireless electricity that we've surrounded ourselves with, including, you know, that we're exposed to when holding these wireless iPads and phones and, and, you know, when our computer's in front of us and on using, using Wi-Fi, I'd, I'd be very interested to see um, if there's scientific literature on that impacting eyesight, because we have seen people's eyesight improve just by reducing uh, their exposure, but it also could be that they're reducing their the, the time that they're staring at screens across the board. There, there is a lot of interesting stuff there. And there, like the, there was a big nature article a couple of years ago that got people all riled up about kids going outside more. They correlated it to sunlight, giving them better eyes. But why, what I often say is, think about what else happens. When you're outside, you're not staring at a screen. You're going away mm-hmm. from screen use. In, in any situation, what happens is that that ciliary muscle relaxes because you're looking at a distance. And mm-hmm. there's always more complicated answers, which kind of makes me laugh and cry at the same time when they're like, oh, maybe it's, maybe it's this. And I'm not saying, like, I agree with you. I do not love to think about all the various waves that are in the air around us excessively everywhere. Certainly, I'm sure we're going to find out lots of reasons that that's not awesome. But a lot of times too is getting away from that. You're also getting away from the screen and you're also doing things now that is making the eye muscle move instead of just being stuck in one position. I'm not saying I'm right, right? It's, the problem with me, of course, is that I'm always relating it back to the thing I know. So who knows? For sure. No, I, I, I dig it and I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm thinking about like, you know, when I was growing up, we used to play, I mean, I grew up playing soccer and baseball and, and, you know, roller hockey in the street. And you think about when you're playing sports as a kid, you're following the ball downfield, you know, you're tracking it at a distance. And then, and you're also working your eyes where as, as you know, the ball comes to you, you're going from watching it at a distance to then watching it closely and, and working your eyes in all these various ways. I don't even see kids playing on the street anymore. You know, I'm, I'm sure that, I mean, there's of course yeah. still organized sports, but when you start looking at what goes on in organized sports beyond just the social and, and uh, you know, cardiovascular benefits, like it, it becomes increasingly exciting and, and alluring to say, Hey, let's put our kids, let's get our kids in sports. You know, even if they're not great at them, because it's just, it's just that good for them. So whenever I have, and that's like on my, non-podcast sometimes i have people on that do sports a lot like whenever i've got somebody on that's into surfing for example i know it's going to be an easy story because whenever you have a thing like that where your eyes are following something that is required for the activity if you if you do what i was talking about slowly reducing the adopter dependence those people improve super fast i mean it's just it's it's easy because they're doing things that they want to do that are non-exercise. Like if you're surfing, you're sitting out there, you're looking at all the waves, looking at where's the next one, what's happening. If you're playing any kind of ball sport, you're following the ball, you're following the people. It's You're doing the right thing. Like Huberman and the exercises, you're doing this, but you're doing it extensively because you're enjoying it. Your eyes improve super fast. Mm-hmm. The people that are conversely mm-hmm. like students in Hong Kong, like whenever I get a student in Hong Kong, I'm like, wow, that's going to be rough because all your friends play on their phone. Even when you guys go out to dinner, you have no sports. It's a city with not many public spaces. You're you're enclosed in this close-up mode all the time. You're not going to improve very easily just because you don't have that running around playing with balls type of an experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and to kind of recap, 
like with when it comes to slowly reducing your prescription, you said if you're like negative five, then you would reduce it by like 0.25. So you'd go to like negative 4.75 or was it even slower than that? Yeah, that's the smallest reduction you can make. And that's ideal because you really, there's a lot of stuff out there where people are like throw away your glasses and all kinds of stuff where I always say you want a reduction just a tiny bit because you're just introducing basically what happens when when you have glasses at minus five and they give you perfect vision, things never get blurry. Things just get smaller, right? As things are further away. Mm-hmm. If you reduce them very slightly, at some distance, you introduce a little bit of blur. And if you went from a minus five to a minus three, for example, you'd still see clearly, but much less far. And the question really is when you dial in how many adopters you want is how far do you want that blur point to be from you, right? Like you want it somewhere where you still recognize faces and friends and facial expressions and you're safe to drive, but in crappy lighting in a semi-dark Starbucks, the, the menu behind the barista, now you have to challenge your eyes a little bit. That's the level you want. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, this is this is fantastic and very helpful. Anything, anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners or, or that you feel compelled to talk about? at this point it's okay this is a weird one right because i've been talking about this for just two decades now i mean forever and so i'm witnessing the change in in who we are over the years especially more recently where a conversation i never used to have with people is people go what should i go do because i say you need three to four hours of distance vision a day you just really kind of do right like you can get away with less but out of 24 hours subtracting sleep and eating and work, if you're not getting a few hours of something that that connects you to the world and people and experiences and stuff, then what are you doing, right? And this is kind of weird because it's not mm-hmm. exactly my area, but I'm concerned about this. And I feel like the things I say more and more often is examine if you have some kind of a hobby that supports all of the biohacking stuff that you're doing so you can actually appreciate stuff like great eyesight right like like mm-hmm. i just picked up wing foiling terrible at it but it gives me an opportunity to go out there and use the fact that you know i don't eat too much sugar and i'm in semi-decent shape and i can see really well and i'm working on my balance and there's a lot of hours that i'm not spending on scrolling on facebook or instagram or watching youtube that we've somehow are becoming mm-hmm. this society of content consumers instead of appreciating our own existence. Yeah. What what is wing foiling, by the way? Dude, it's a terrible idea. Is what it is. It's um, <laughs> it's like uh, I used to kite surf. That's kind of my 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 water sport. Yeah, I wanted to kite surf. Wing foil. Yeah, that's it's awesome, and it's it's great, and you learn it, and you love it, and then one day you turn out. Did you realize that you're stupid and you go, why don't I do something that's less easy and just more annoying? And it's basically, it's like a surfboard and under the surfboard is a, a, like a plane wing, like attached with a long stick basically. And then you're holding a kite in your hand and you're standing on that board in the ocean, hopefully with some wind and you hold on to this wing, right? Like, which is just like a small kite without any strings, getting the wind to drag you along until the board lifts out of the water. And then you balance on the stick with under the water, this plane shaped foil moving you along. It's, it's amazing and beautiful, but it's also super difficult to get there just because it requires all kinds of balance and negotiating your way through the ocean. But it's super fun can, way to get away. I can from imagine. Something. Are you strapped to the, are your feet strapped to the board like a snowboard or are you just standing on it like a surfboard? Optional. There's a bunch of different variations. Mine has just a front strap. So my front foot is in a strap, but otherwise it's just stand wherever you like. That's pretty gnarly. I've seen, I've seen Laird Hamilton riding a foil board before. I've, I've, I've never seen him do it with attached to a, to a giant uh, kite essentially, but that sport, at least kite surfing in general, has uh, has been on my radar for a while. It looks really, really fun. And I've seen people doing crazy yeah, tricks where they'll catch a wave and get airborne and spin around. Yeah, it looks it looks like a blast. 
It's so good, man. And, and when I glasses, I never thought I could do any of this. And I never thought I would. That's another, it's such a long story in general, but like it changes your personality because you don't have peripheral vision. You become an introverted, you become kind of a nerd. Your, your brain says you can't do these things because you're going to kill yourself. And the better your eyesight gets, the better your fine motor control gets, the better your balance gets, the better your confidence gets. And I went from a guy who just read books all the time to, I used to paraglide. I lived in Nepal paragliding once I had great vision. So I think in a way, like you really, I think it also helps as we get older because you keep your, you keep it real. Like you're like, all right, when I started the wing foiling, I'm like, I'm way too out of shape for this. I need to do more cardio, right? Like you, you, you have to keep up with stuff. You can't tell yourself you're fine. But then also I think you're, the quality of your life improves pretty dramatically with these kinds of sports and with having your facilities back, not being stuck with lenses. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. And lots of, lots of great ideas here for like fun sports and outdoor activities to do ways to combine time and nature with, uh, with sport and with improving your vision. You mentioned the, the kite surfing, wing foiling, regular surfing. Are there any other sports or, or outdoor activities that you've, seen uh produce an accelerated improvement in eyesight com- compared to their peers really anything as you mentioned that requires eyes falling stuff anything from golf um brad kearns has a podcast i don't know if you heard of him he's a he's, a, he's big into golf he had presbyopia and myopia and we had an episode years ago he needed glasses for close-up and for distance because he's in that age range where you you kind of lose some of your close-up vision too he plays golf, so piece of cake. Like anybody who does that kind of thing, you're you're looking in a far distance, seeing that hole and the flag and the ball and the ball flying. So you're doing all the things like what Huberman was doing with you, but just in real life. And uh, he since doesn't need glasses at all for distance or for close up, and he's super excited about that. So that kind of thing, people play tennis, any kind of sport that requires you to be aware involved. And if you don't like sports. Uh, I've had people that do bird watching, diving, any, it's, it's super simple in so many ways because anything that, that encourages and requires you to use your eyes to observe the things around you. Fascinating. This is, I mean, this has been super helpful, Jake. For our listeners who want to stay up to date with cool things you're working on, is the best place to do that by going to endmyopia.org? Are there other places they can follow yep. you? That's it. And from there, you, we have a Facebook group. And uh, we have a big forum and we have a terrible YouTube channel and there's um, all kinds of stuff. I don't do a lot of social things, but there's a lot of, we have a really big community. So there's a lot there. Tiny word of warning, since I don't do this for fame or money, there's a lot of sarcasm and inside jokes and terrible Photoshop on there and over 1200 articles. And it's just a, it's a fairly gigantic resource, but hopefully helpful. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this interview has been extremely helpful. Guys, if, if you got value from it, please share it up, send it to your friends, family members, people that, that would benefit from this information and uh, have them check out endmyopia.org. Jake Steiner, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your time and energy and wisdom. It's been great. Thanks again for having me, Anthony. I appreciate it. None of us are born with the warrior spirit. It is taught and trained. On the wrestling mats of Iowa, the mountains of Dagestan, and in homes across the world. Courage is learned from mentors and elders. Bravery is inoculated by a regimen of strategic training and discipline. This discipline culminates when the warrior has garnered the skill set to do what most men can't or won't, when he willingly runs into the fires of initiation because that is where his people need him. We feel disconnected when we chase the false idols of money, material possessions, and comfort. But true purpose and freedom are earned by training those parts of ourselves from which most men run. Some heavy shit is coming down, brothers. And those who rise to accept this call will go through it and win. The body, mind, and spirit are your instruments of victory. One cannot be properly trained 
while ignoring the other two. Our elite one-on-one coaching program is this training and your call to rise. Whether you're trying to build muscle, burn fat as fast as possible, upgrade your brain, reclaim your health, or unleash the warrior within, I will build you a personalized game plan to take your body, mind, and spirit to their true potential. At biohackercoaching.com, you will tap into the most cutting-edge health, anti-aging, and transformation protocols personalized exclusively for you to radically enhance your physical and mental performance. You'll have me in your corner as your coach and guide. With detailed instructions and advanced custom techniques to optimize your life, weaponize your body, and bulletproof your mind so that you achieve your goals as fast and safe as humanly possible. You'll discover science-derived lifestyle hacks I've only shared with our roster of Olympic gold medalists, world-class athletes, U.S. Special Forces, high-level businessmen, and super achievers from all walks of life, people ruthlessly committed to unlocking their ultimate capabilities. This program is for beginners, intermediate, and advanced fitness levels and provides everything you need to optimize your body, mind, and spirit's full capacity. We run labs and and blood work first because we believe in testing, not guessing. Then we use those data points to build you a unique, personalized program to correct underlying challenges and transform you into the man or woman you're here to become. Whether you're wanting to get shredded, add pounds of lean muscle, sharpen your mental focus and brain power, or heal, everything you need is included, and you'll have me in your corner holding you accountable, and guiding you through every step of the way. Because this isn't something I outsource to other coaches who may not have the skill set or experience you need, I can only work with five men each month. To grab a time for us to speak and determine if our Apex coaching program is a fit, go to biohackercoaching, B-I-O-H-A-C-K-E-R-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G.com and book a time for you and I to discuss your goals. Because we receive 50 to 100 applications each month for these five spots, if you'd like to request your application gets moved to the top of the list, send me a text message to my personal phone at 847-989-3743 and let me know why you're ready to change your life. This is elite personalized training at the highest level with zero guesswork. Only a small handful of people get this level of access to me and these teachings. If you've resonated with this, go to biohackercoaching.com now and fill out the short application form to grab a time for us to connect. Strength and honor.